Welcome to OOO, an out of ordinary podcast where we dig deep into case studies and the nitty gritty of Web3 marketing. You'll find here all the amazing people that are building Web3, so stick to us as we address their marketing secrets and learn how to build amazing products and brands. Virtual Kenji comes from a creative background. He lived in the US, Europe, and Asia, and was a fashion photographer for many years before building a startup that supplied 3D art to international hotel chains. In 2021, Kenji rediscovered crypto, joined Twitter, and started writing. Since then, he has helped scale several protocols in different DeFi niches due to the simplicity with which he breaks complicated concepts down. Hi, Kenji, and thank you for uh, being with us today. No worries. I'm happy to be here, Alex. After uh, working with you, it's, it's nice to be able to chat with you on your podcast. I know I already gave an intro about yourself, but I want us to tell our listeners more about your background and how you got into Web3 and why Web3 actually. Yeah, so I think um, I was a fashion photographer for many years. By many, I mean like 10 or something. And then I I, um, I thought that would be my life. Uh, naturally creative person. And then I started a startup where we sort of build um, 3D art for hotels. So the, the, these really big art pieces, uh, you know, like with many layers of material. And that was great until COVID happened. So of course, all the hotels closed during COVID. And it was, you know, it was two years of like nothing pretty much. And if I'm being completely honest, I was just looking for ways to make money online. Like that that's really what it was. And um, I tried a lot of things. I tried uh, like drop shipping. I tried any sort of writing. Um, and I was decent at writing, but not, not very crypto technical. So I got reintroduced um, into crypto in 2021. I, I, you know, bought a bit in 2017 and um I opened the Twitter for the first time, and so I wrote about uh, I wrote a thread about uh, a node project, which you know, in retrospect, was a Ponzi by then. Now, and all, that's when I guess my, uh, my 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 following started, right? And so, as my Twitter grew, uh, more opportunities came my way, and now I write um, full time, uh, full time crypto. I do, you know, I've worked with you. I do freelance projects. I work part time for several protocols. Um, so it's good. So, um, I don't even come from a finance or like technical, like any of that background. I'm not, I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a finance guy. I think I just could simplify things in a way that other people understand. And so that's, that's probably what's, uh, what's, what's keeping it going right now. So. I think you touched uh, on a, on a very important point here, and this is why I want to ask you, and I'm really interested in knowing how did you learn about the industry as I'm assuming it's very important to understand it. If you want to produce quality content. Yeah. So it's really funny because I don't think I'm like, I'm a technical writer, but I think I'm not that technical compared to it depends like, you know, there are technical writers that were engineers before or uh, like uh, they work in TradFi and they, they're very, like, obviously they're technical, right? And so um, I think uh, I just try to like, I learn as I go along, right? So I, th I think I try to break things down into first principles and that really, really helps me learn. So what I like about crypto is if you think about it, there are all these serious things in crypto like inflation and uh, uh like debt and like all these like things that i find very boring in the real world like i don't care about how bank accounts work or how debt or mortgage works in real life but in crypto everything's memes 
So, you know, they have cartoons and like, it's, it's a lot funner to learn about these things. And so, um, if I'm being completely honest, a lot of protocols, they sign me up and I have no idea, like <laughs> I'm the writer, but I have no idea what the product is initially. It takes me a month to learn. Of course, I don't tell them that, but I'm confident in my ability to learn. And so writing for me is a way of learning. Uh, like for you guys, I, I could talk about Pizza Wallet. I didn't know any of the, I, I wrote about your security. Like, I don't know anything about wallet security, but since I talked to like your lead dev that helped me learn about it. And, and it's the same with other crypto projects. So if I had to actually tell anybody like, you know, what, what's a shortcut to learn about crypto, it's writing. Like it really is. Like when you write about something, you really, really have to learn about it. Even if you don't know about it, you will by the end of the, the article or the document or the thread. I think it's a great way to self-educate personally. So, What kind of resources do you, do you use to learn more about it? Yeah, so I actually have a really funny sequence because I'm. It, it takes me like actually it takes me a while to learn about crypto. So I'm not one of those people that I read a white paper once. So I'm like, oh my god, I get it. Considering I've written white papers too, so that's very funny. So um, um, first I go to YouTube and I'm like, okay, do I? I think it starts with a niche, right? Like, do I kind of get the niche? Like, do I kind of get? wallets or perp dexes or uh, option protocols like do i kind of get what it's about right and that that's a lot of youtube and uh i take all my notes in notion right and then i i love articles um and then I go to threads. And so there's a sequence and I'm not one of those people that I read a thread on something I don't know about. And like, I get it. Like there are people that do that. That's not me. So I have to go to the simplest like building blocks first. The simplest being like, you know, if, if it's if it's perp decks, like, you know, what what's trading? Like that's simple. Like what's a long, what's a short? That simple or options, like what's a strike price? Like I have to go to the simplest things first. And then, uh, and then I learn it along the way. So I, I, I kind of view my learning as like a pyramid where I, I'm, I'm like super noob. Like I'm super noob, but that's fine. I'll get the base in and then build, build on top of that. So. Okay, now, now I get it. Why is it important? Um, why is content important in Web three, and what kind of, and in for what kind of companies? So I think content is important for every company in Web three because it's so hard to understand. Like. It just is. Because if you think about Web3, it's people are putting together like anybody, like the whole thing about Web3 is anybody could make anything uh, code wise on the blockchain and it's open source. So that's that's the whole, I guess, the, the, the value proposition of Web3. So building in Web3 is a lot faster than building in Web2 because anybody could just fork codes and make their own versions, right? So what's happening is there are these ideas coming from all these different spheres, like these ideas coming from TradFi, these ideas coming from video games, these ideas coming from uh, like traders or anything, right? Uh, artists with NFTs, right? And so it doesn't matter how good you are in one one of those niches. When these ideas come together, they still won't make sense because they're new. I mean, uh, like a, I mean, you you might know what what debt is or a vault is or a you know a collateral debt vault, but they're now they're like NFTs that are being used as collateral in these debt vaults. So it it like when when the blocks start stacking, it becomes really really complicated. So content will always be important just because the innovation is so fast in web3 and anybody could build anything and the funny thing about web3 is anybody could also name anything anything 
So, I mean, I think I think it's one of those like there's so many names for the same things, and it gets confusing. And so that there's like I don't know, like staking, which is liquidity providing, which is uh, there's so many ways to call the same thing. Tokens, or you know, there are vaults, which are different from pools, which are different from, and so it's very important just to if you read a bunch of different protocols, they'll call the same thing a bunch of different things. So that's confusing. So it's all it's always really important to just. I guess have a baseline definition uh, to even be able to navigate what Web3 is about. So, How is it like getting into DeFi? And I'm asking this because for somebody somebody just entering the space uh, or for somebody who's not very knowledgeable, might be something hard to understand. And for me, it was very hard to understand at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, it's for exactly for the same reason you were saying. Yeah, it's still hard for me. And I have like a, you know, it's my job and I have a Twitter following. It's still hard for me. So if I had to, I guess the easiest way to get into DeFi is to focus on one niche. I think that's the most important thing. Um, there, there are a lot of, I think if you know a lot of niches superficially in DeFi, you don't know anything. I think it's really important to know one or two niches really well. And, you know, like, um, uh, one niche could be a uh, perpetual exchanges, perp dexes. Another niche could be uh, like <laughs> uni v3 pools. Another niche could be uh, wallets even, right? Like uh, wallets. Another niche could be... So the reason why is that once you have enough like, in-depth knowledge in, in one niche, you're able to, in your mind, compare the similarities and differences to other niches. So it, it like... If I didn't know, I'll talk about perp dexes. If I didn't understand perp dexes, it would be harder for me to understand options. Like even if they're not the same thing, I have mental models that I could take from one niche to bring it to the other. If I were to advise, um, if I were to advise someone that was first getting into DeFi, I'd say find a group of projects you really like. They don't even have to be like the best projects. You just have to really like them and you know, like follow people in that niche. And as soon as you're good enough to know most of what's happening in that niche, like you could see what cat like if you could understand how catalysts affect projects, then you know how that niche works. And until you don't know how that works, then you don't understand that niche. So if, if you're in a niche and you you could see what's coming, you're like, okay, I could see these catalysts and they're affecting these projects in exactly the way I thought they would, then you understand that niche. And until then, I wouldn't try to diversify. I'd get into one niche. And then once I'm in that point, then I would niche out. But I, I, I think with crypto, uh, depth always beats like a like being broad because it's it's such a technical space. So you know one, you know two, you know three niches. You're an expert. That's all you need. You don't need you know you don't need to know all of them, in my opinion. So I think it's also very hard to um, to be or to know something superficially because like then you understand some stuff, but you understand it very vaguely. So. I think that's that's a bit complicated. Um, I know you do a lot of content or like different types of pieces of content. And I wanted to know what kind of social media platforms would you recommend DeFi projects focusing on to gain uh, bigger audiences? It's got to be, I mean, the, the, the golden trinity are Twitter, Medium, and Discord, right? So Twitter, Twitter is the most important one by far because it is, um, it's like the first content funnel that, that someone will... Like encounter, right? And the reason why is because 
Medium doesn't boost your content. Like Medium, Medium is a storage, like a repository of knowledge. So you, your content stays there forever, and it's easy to find. But it's very hard to go viral on Medium. Like it's very, 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 very hard to go viral on Medium. On Twitter, it's not very hard. If I'm being completely honest, right? So you want to. The Twitter algorithm really, really likes new, new content, new threads, new, like it just likes new things basically. And so, in terms of getting new eyeballs to your protocol, Twitter is really, really good just because the algorithm loves new things. So if you post all the time or if you do threads all the time, it'll always be like current, right? Whereas Medium, Medium is sort of the opposite, where it's it's for really in depth things. It's like a storage storage area or repository. So Discord is for building communities. Um, I'm not a Discord expert, but that's where like that's where communities are built. So I th- um, you'd need, I guess, technical writers for, for for Twitter or for Medium, but you need like a different, completely different skill set for Discord. So that, that that's where communities are really built. What about Substack? Ah, it's great. Like I'm on like I'd say it's great, but it's not essential. So I, I'm I'm on I'm on I learn about like I learn about how do I say this? I learn more from um I follow people's substacks. I, I never follow protocol substacks. So I think I think that that, that should say it's like it's great if you you like the person, you like the way they write, that's fair game, you know, but like it, for for protocols, I think that was your question. Like, I'm sure it could work, but like, I, I personally don't follow any protocol Substack. So fair game. I was asking this because um, one of the suggestions I got at some point to to show that I have skin in the game was to to write on Substack and not not on Medium. So that's why I I asked you this. That's fine if you're a person. Um, it totally is, and I think I would I would. Any of those, like I need to make a newsletter, right? But any of those things, like work fine, Mirror, Substack, uh, you know, anything. But they're still boosted by Twitter, so I think that's the important thing to note. So if you have a Substack, it, people will usually get to your Substack. But you know, you write something on Twitter, they go to your Twitter page, and the Substack's in your bio, and that's usually like how people would sign up uh, on Substack. So it, it, it Twitter's still the first, like the first door, I guess. Um, it doesn't replace the Substack, but you can't like not use Twitter, I think. So on DeFi, we have a lot of technical aspects and technical content. How do you manage to mix this content in a way that is attractive for the community you're writing for? Yeah, so I write in a very specific way, and I write that I assume, like correctly or wrongly, like I don't know, this is my assumption, right? Like I assume that whoever I'm writing for has like almost zero DeFi knowledge. So I mean I wrote for you um right and so the way the way I structure my writing is the intro is very broad and then it gets more specific as as the article goes so um you know, for you guys, I wrote about wallets. So I'll, I'll first assume that nobody knows what a wallet is. So I, you know, like you know, this is a this is a MetaMask, or that's how you do it. And then I'll outline some problems, and then I'll go specifically into 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 you know how your wallet works, right? So that that helps. And I also tend to use like very like I like analogies a lot in my writing. Um, not a lot of people like doing it. They they want to go straight into the definition. I say like. Uh, like I'll try to use an analogy 
whenever I could. And I think, I think that helps. So that helps it for my mind. And I think that helps it for every, like everybody knows what a bicycle is or everybody knows what a swimming pool is. Not everybody knows what a liquidity pool is. So I could just say, you know, a liquidity pool is like a swimming pool. It's like a pool of tokens. Uh, if it's like more full, it's better, right? That's a really simple way of saying it. If it's empty, it's not so good. Um, so something like that, like that's oversimplified, but you know, someone that has never encountered the liquidity pool or they don't understand the definition, they'll, they'll get it when I say, you know, a, a full swimming pool is better than an empty swimming pool. That That's uh, pretty self-explanatory, so. How did you get your first clients in Web3? And I think this is a question that a lot of people would like to learn more about. Yeah, I think I really think that anybody should should um should write like it. Twitter is so um it is such a good tool to get like a lot of my clients. If I'm being completely honest, they're inbound, so I'm very lucky. Like I get the I get you know I get like offers. Uh, I, I know that's like not the normal thing, but if I had to to really lock down on one skill, just learn how to write threads. That's it. Like you know, like learn how to write Twitter threads. That's it. And there is an art to it. And I actually did study and take courses on how to write Twitter threads. So I, I'm not just, you know, like, I didn't just stumble into writing Twitter threads. I was very, very deliberate. But it, it's a very, it's not a hard skill to learn. Is there such learn. a big demand? Yeah, because you know why? If I'm being completely honest, protocol threads never go viral. It's it's threads that people make go viral. And if threat like... If a protocol talks about its own thing, it'll never reach, I don't know, 400,000 impressions. It won't It won't go as viral as someone that's really trusted in the community saying like, you know, this is my favorite protocol, this is why. Because everyone knows that the protocol is like, you know, selling selling themselves. Um, it, it's different though if you trust the person. Uh, it is very important because just in terms of peer engagement, because I look at the metrics, right? Um I think my best thread got like four, uh, you know, four hundred thousand something uh, engagements, which is views, right? And so daily, of I get maybe two thousand to four thousand views. So if you think about it, if I was threading about a protocol, which I didn't, it was you know I thread about something else, right? But that, that's a hundred x, like a hundred x engagement from a Twitter thread. So it's usually 2,000 to 4,000 and in a couple of days it was 400,000. So that it's like, yeah, it's a big deal. And e even if it isn't, doesn't hit 400,000, sometimes they're over 100,000. Like, like even a bad thread will give you 20x more engagement than, than, than your normal Twitter. So it's totally worth like, uh, yeah, it's just what it is. Uh, can I ask you, what do you learn to, to, to write threads? Sure. So I'm. I, I could recommend some things I did. Uh, there's this one. I don't know what it's called anymore, but it's called Maker's Mark, um, and it's run by these two guys called um, one's Brandon, and one is Adit, and like Adit A A D I T, and. I, like they're very young. I think they're in their early twenties, or they might be in school. But I, this was when I was beginning my Twitter journey, and the things they were saying, I'm like, wow, you know, like they're so analytical. They looked at they look at engagements. They look at like there's a there's a special ratio from likes to retweets. They were talking about, and they all these all the software, and I'm like, wow, like that's crazy. I have to try these guys' courses, right? And there, there are so many little techniques with threads that are very important, like to not use paragraphs, to use single lines for emphasis, uh, 
to you know like uh, there's a certain thread length that's really good how to end it how to start like there's so many things that go into it where you know it's not just you you, you write something and split into paragraphs it's not that at all so yeah i highly recommend maker's mark um i also did um ship 30 by 30 that's that's a lot harder but it'll get anybody from zero to a good writer in 30 days so what it basically is is you will be posting like not quite an, an article, but like a very short article every day for 30 days. And um, the, it, it's, it's run by uh, this guy named Dickie Bush. Um, and I forget the other guy, but basically, yeah, if you do, if you or anybody does two of these, any of these, either of these, you'll, you'll definitely know how to write threads. And a third, a third course I do, I took a, took a bunch of them, is um, this course called... Um, I can't remember what it's called, but maybe like Solopreneur by Justin Welsh. And he gives you, you, do you know him as well, Justin Welsh? Yeah. I bought, yeah, I bought his course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so he gives you templates. So it, it's a little different um, the way he does it. He doesn't focus so much on pure writing. He focuses on systems and templates. Um, yeah, totally, you, you know how it is. But if you, you know, if you put together any of these three, then it should be, it should be really, really good. So um yeah, so I just started writing threads based on what I learned from these guys. And then protocols, like I just started threading about protocols. And then I threaded about one of them. Their name is Hive. Uh, they're a node, Hive Investments. And one of them was just like, hey, you know, I really liked your thread. You think, can we hop on a call? Like maybe we could do something uh, together, right? I'm like, okay, cool. So that was my first um, DeFi gig. Like I, I did a course for them, uh, their intro to DeFi course. And uh so, yeah, I just started threading about protocols. I started reaching out. They're like, hey, could could we like you want to do something paid for us? I'm like, cool. And you know, there was a bit of a gap, but now it's it's pretty consistent where I get inbound, which is great. So I was actually listening to a podcast interview last night uh with the president of um Web3 Vayner or whatever it's called. I'm missing the name right now. And what she was saying was that she she started recruiting right now on Twitter. So it doesn't make a lot of sense what you're saying. But when it comes, I think you touched on a very important thing, which is personal branding. And I wanted to ask, um, how important is it? Um, is it in any way? Um, and what do you do for your visibility except for Twitter? Is it LinkedIn an option here? LinkedIn is an option, but I don't know much about it. So I, I would be lying if I, like, of course it's an option. I just don't know much about it, right? Um, what I personally do is if you go to my Twitter, it's very obvious that like Ghost Rider, Web3 Rider, like it's right on my bio. So I think I think that's what most people get wrong is they write a bunch of like, honestly, they write a bunch of weird shit on their bio. Um, just, you know, write what you want to be paid for, right? So it, it's one of the feedback. I've gotten is I think I wrote something else like business owner, simp like something about DeFi. Like no one knew I wrote until I actually put like Web3 Ghost Rider. It has to be very direct. So I think that's the other thing, right? And um, as protocols need content pillars, like things that they need to talk about in their content. So in the same way that protocols have content pillars, like you as a person should have your own content pillar. So what helps me is I write about writing. Um, you know, I just say, this is how you write in Web3. There are two styles. This is how you write threads. I have a few threads that do that. And it does paint me as an expert because they're like, okay, he's writing about writing. So he clearly knows how to write. That's the implication. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it goes a lot into 
I, th- I think it's just two things. It's one is being very mindful of your bio, like very, very mindful of your bio. And two is getting your content pillars very, very specific. I think when someone's starting out on Twitter, they have to play around a bit. But once they find a product market fit, like, you know, you know, you know when a few threads go viral, you should really, really double down. And pretty much all of the... I'll say the influencers, right? Because technically I'm one of them. Like all the Twitter influencers I know, they started in one niche and they were known in one niche first. And once they hit, I don't know, four, five, 6,000 followers, 8,000, then they started niching out a bit. But uh, like I said, like your content pillar initially, uh, in the start at least, you really have to laser focus on one niche and then, you know, take it one pillar at a time. And I think that's the, that's the best way to start, so... I know you've collaborated with DAOs and how can somebody leverage this as part of their growth journey as a content creator in uh, in Web3? Yeah, uh, we're talking about creator DAO. I like them. I really like them actually. So um, I've, okay, I could talk about creator DAO is it, it helps if you- It doesn't ha- have to be creator DAO. I know you, you mentioned that you've worked with other DAOs as well, so it can be- any doubt. Any doubt. Yeah, I, th- I think, okay, so like like anything, there are advantages to having a, a decent following. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you work in DAOs or not. Like, it, it, it matters if you have not only followers, but people see you as off topic. I love that you could see views right now on Twitter. Like, I love that you could see Twitter views because you could tell who bought their followers and who didn't <laughs> based on the engagement. It's great. So anyway... Um, Basically, like, how can you leverage um, working with them um, as part of your growth journey, basically? Yeah, I think that DAOs are great, but not essential. So at, at the end of the day, you have to have, like, a compelling enough account that you get inbound leads and a DAO has to be a bonus. Because if, like, if you rely on a DAO for... For all your work, you're 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 essentially fighting the other people in the DAO for jobs, right? Which which is not. I mean, you know, if that's what you want to do, great. But there, there's there's millions of people on Twitter, so it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense to me personally to to to, to like tart like laser focus my my entire work strategy around DAOs. But some people do. So the the way I think about DAOs is they're like they should be on top of what you already have. And they're good to get started as well. So let's say you've, um, for some reason, you're not getting enough inbound leads, right? I think DAOs are great ways to get started. So just know that, of course, every DAO has a different uh, payment structure. Like some of them get different cuts and different pricing models and different whatever. So you just you just want to know how that works as well. Um, but that aside, I, th- I think my stance is that DAOs are great bonuses and they're they're cool if you want to start out but you 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 have to be able to stand alone eventually uh, your account your your own brand so makes sense what are some DeFi marketing trends you are seeing right now oh wow okay so um <laughs> there, there there's a lot they're really funny so something that's really big right now is a lot of a lot of protocols are starting ambassador programs and there are so many different ways to do that. So there's the referral link model, um, you know, like sign up with my referral link and get a cut of all the fees generated from whatever. Like, you know, that's been around. There are also a few ambassador programs where 
influencers are paid based on the content they produce, but retroactively. So they say, okay, you know, we're going to start paying you in three months and we're going to pay you every month for a year, but only if we see a certain amount of content, right? So that that's incentivizes people, but then at one point it, it might be risky for the protocol as well because they're inflating their token, right? But that that's something very interesting. So yeah, a lot a lot of protocols are definitely um trying to come up with good ambassador programs um or referral programs or however you want to call them. I I think I think they're it's a very potent tool if you know to do them correctly. And another thing I'm seeing, and I've been seeing for the past year, is that if you came into DeFi a year ago, like I have, like low low APY was eight thousand percent. So I think I was in a protocol where the returns were ninety eight thousand percent APY, and I, I thought it was sustainable too. I'm like, oh great, you know, like I'll be a millionaire in one year, right? Of, of course, of course, that never happened. Like I know now why, but you, you know, like it it it'll get new people like in the next bull run there'll be those those things again and it'll just get new people but there there's this whole defi movement which is like oh we're sustainable our yield is real like you know we're not in, in like we're in, we no inflation uh we we use these tried and tested tradfi things we're, we're option like so it, it it's everybody will try to give you assurance of it yeah of this kind right yeah so the way i view DeFi is it's just a, a pendulum that swings back and forth from extreme so you know everybody was wrecked by the but the bull market and now now everyone's like okay we're super safe we just do vaults you know we're we're eight percent you could see where all our tokens come from like and That'll change eventually, but yeah, I think I think the given given where we are in terms of you know world world situation, it's very risk off right now um, in, in crypto in general. I think the whole the whole message that people are trying to to send right now is like, hey, we're the safest thing ever, <laughs> like especially after you know FTX and all that. Like we're super safe. You know, you, you see where all the funds are coming from. Trust us. I think that's the that's the general trend I see going on now. Can you give me an example of a campaign you've worked on? Oh, there's a lot. Because I actually um, write content for a lot of... Okay, I, I could give some examples, right? So I could give... Um, it's, a protocol is very different pre-launch and post-launch. So um, once once a protocol is launched, their, their normal campaigns revolve around, let's say, new releases or deploying on a new chain. And so, which I think is important because I could talk about this um, in, a, in a more general thing as well, is like, uh, as a content writer, it's not just about writing like random tweets like every day for a protocol. It's about, there's always one metric that a protocol wants and it's different for every protocol. So I write for a, a trading platform and the one thing that is important to them is trading volume. So all of the tweets ever subtly hint and move move people towards you know increasing trading volume. So even if they're very, very different, they're all tweets in different dimensions, the, the, you know different words, different themes, but it, they're all trying to feed into that one metric, right? And it's the same thing. Some protocols are really complex where the main important thing to them is to be understood. So all of the tweets, all of the medium articles, all like they, they're all about simplifying the narrative. So it, it, it depends on what type of protocol it is, uh, what their main um, objective is. And a lot of times clients like 
you have to actually ask this of the client. Like, you know, like they won't tell you right away, like, oh yeah, of course, this is our main thing. Like you have to actually dig and talk to them, right? So um yeah, I, if if I were to like not twist your question a bit, right? It's 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 like yeah, campaigns, they're more a function of whatever that 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 single thing a protocol wants. The content revolves around that for a few months. So it could be a metric, it could be a launch, it could be uh a new feature, right? But it, it everything ties into that one thing. So that's a very like sideways vague answer. I hope that could help though. Can you give us an example of a tool you would recommend using? And if it's a Web3 tool, it's even better. Yeah. So there are there okay, there, do you want tools for Twitter or tools for like researching? Tools for whatever, tools, tools in general. Um, so for example, like Lens Protocol was um, is a tool or like if it's a newsletter or a book you read or something that will be used for 12 listeners. Yeah, so I think there's um, there's, <laughs> there's there's very varied tools. So for Twitter, I could start in Twitter. Like I think everybody should get some sort of Twitter scheduling app just because like they're so like affordable and... Like I don't write tweets every day, but I write them once a week, and it just goes out. And you want this for clients as well. And it's it, like I personally use Tweet Hunter. Uh, you could also use Hype Fury. That's one. For Twitter threads, I would recommend Typefully. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of like my threads on Typefully. Like uh, if I show you something, it's on Typefully. It's just it's just so it's the best for threads, right? So there's there, there's a Tweet Hunter and Hype Fury, which is the best for everyday tweets, and Typefully, which is the best for threads. For research, I look at a DeFi Llama. Llama. Um, it's how do I say this? It's it's interesting because it. Okay, it might be a little technical, right? So a lot a lot of people. It's a tool for looking at TVL, which is total value locked, which is basically like how much money is in a protocol. So that could mean how much money are in their vaults, how much money is being staked, how much money is basically locked. If, if the protocol was a bank, how much money is in a protocol if it were a bank? So that's that's what DeFi Llama, Llama, DeFi Llama helps people look at. And it's interesting because um, you could see people, you could see trends on Twitter and what DeFi Llama shows could be the opposite or could support it. Like everybody could be talking about a certain trend in Twitter and you look at the TVL, because you could actually not just look at protocol TVL, you could look at the TVLs throughout niches. So you could look at, let's say, uh, options TVL or perpetual, like you, you could look at different niche TVL aggregated. And you you could say like, hey, like, this data doesn't make sense with what the crypto people are saying. Like, well, what, like what's going on? Like sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't, right? So that's one, that's one thing uh, t- that's very important actually is whatever, whatever people say on Twitter, just look, look at DeFi Llama, see if it's real or not, right? And if you had to quantify social, like social, uh, I don't know, social engagement, Lunar Crush is another tool I use. So imagine like Lunar Crush, it, um, it kind of um, like, I don't know how it does it, but it measures how many people like mention a certain protocol or, or a certain narrative or a certain, like, let's say for you guys, uh, uh, Web3 wallets or browser wallets, right? It'll show the market share, you know, like a social market share of, 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 of your wallet. So let's say that of all the Web3 wallets, 
being talked about. 50% are talking about yours. So on, on DeFi, on, on Lunar Crush rather, it'll say, oh, 50% social dominance. <laughs> you know, like it's really cool. So it's cool too, because then you could see where, you know, maybe in Twitter, it feels like we're, 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 in, we're in a little niche. You could just verify what you check on Lunar, Lunar Crush. It's like, okay, am I seeing more of this protocol on Twitter or am I just imagining it, right? So you, you could actually look at Lunar Crush like, okay, they are talking about it, right? Like, it has been rising in attention. So, DeFi, Llama, and Protocol uh, and Luna Crush are really important. And there's this third thing. Um, I promise this is like the last one, right? There's this third <laughs> thing. It's called, uh, let me actually double check so I get the name right really quick. Um, you it, can mention as many as you want. Yeah, just so I, I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like confusing people too much, right? It's called, um, where is it? Bubble Maps. So, um, I think that anybody, everybody should be able to use Etherscan and Poly, like a uh, block scanner, but they're, they're really confusing to most people, right? So bubble maps is just, you could just see the tokens of all the protocols as if they were bubbles, like, you know, a big bubble, small bubble, like which wallet holds, um, uh, you know, whatever, right? And so you, it's important because you could see if there are any whales that could like, if someone's, if there's a wallet holding 50% of the tokens, it's not a contract. You could see like, okay, that, that person might dump on me, right? So it's very, very important um, just to look at protocol safety. So bubble map. So look, look, look at what, if you look at their white paper and they say, okay, 45% of our tokens are in, are in the, the, I don't know, the liquidity stabilization, con like whatever contract, right? And 30% are in this contract, right? And they, they, could, they could give you these figures and you go, to, you, you go to bubble maps and it's not that, it's like 70% or they're making something up, then that's a red flag. That's a super red flag, right? So ideally, you would know how to do this on Etherscan or a block scanner, but most people like just won't try to do that. So just go to bubble maps and see a bunch of bubbles. And yeah, you'll know if protocols are lying to you. So that's very, very important. So yeah, those three for, for my research. Um, for Telegram, I would recommend, um, if you could get into this group, it's called, let me actually see, it's called Fungi Alpha. So <laughs> I'm not in, I, I was in a lot of Telegram groups and a lot of them were kind of trashy, to be honest. But I, th I think not everybody could get into this group. But it is, it is very, very there's only under 500 people, and it's uh, if you could get into this group, you should because it's it's run by. Basically, they know everything that's happening on Arbitrum, so I think that's you know everything that's happening on any protocol on Arbitrum, and you'll know it there before anything. So yeah, if you're on Telegram, like don't go for those groups with a hundred thousand people. It doesn't make sense. Go for a fungi alpha each. There's actually like a subsection for each, you know, there's a TA subsection, a real yield subsection. So that's cool too. So yeah, the, those, I guess those four is, is what I would default to for DeFi. Thank you. This has been very insightful. Now, can you tell us where can people find you? Yeah, so I, um, okay, they could find me on my Twitter, which is at virtual Kenji. It's just one like, there's no underscore at all. It's just at virtual Kenji. Uh, that's that's my Twitter handle. That's also my Telegram handle. That's also my Discord handle. So that's that's pretty much yeah. Anything at Virtual Kenji is me, unless unless it's not. But that's me. So. Well, thank you, Kenji, so much for being with us today. I think our conversation has been very insightful, and you shared with us a lot of uh, good tools and info about what you do in the in the DeFi space. And uh, best of luck with everything, and uh, hope to see you around. 
Thank you. Thanks, Alexandra. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to our Out of Ordinary podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to hear more content like this, then open up the podcast app and click on the follow or subscribe button. It takes less than five seconds and is the single best thing you can do to support the show and stay up to date to more marketing strategies that are being used in the Web3 space.